Welcome in. If you haven't seen this movie, you probably shouldn't be here, but with that said, let's review Taken. I do have a particular set of spoilers. Liam Neeson plays Brian Mills, a former, what is it, CIA operative, something like that, and highly, highly trained. Maggie Grace plays uh, Kim Mills, his daughter, and Famke Johnson plays uh, uh, Lenore, Brian Mills' ex. This was the second movie from the director Pierre Morel. He did B-13 before this, which I've never even heard of, but I need to check it out now. And then he did uh, From Paris with Love right after this. Not right after, but well, kinda. And he's worked with Liam Neeson a couple other times since Taken. And I don't think they've been on Taken sequels. I think they've been on other projects, not even really just the, you know. This movie was written by Luc Besson, who has also written Leon the Professional which is a phenomenal movie from 1994 that actually has a very fatherly, daughterly relationship focus in the movie, just like Taken does. Liam Neeson thought that this movie was going to bomb. It was a smash hit instead. Plus, it reshaped his whole on-screen persona and image to now action hero, which he has been now since 2008. I love that Jeff Bridges was originally cast as Brian Mills. I didn't know that, but he was but he dropped out because he thought it was going to be too physical of a role for him. And the reason that I love this is because Jeff Bridges, now how many years later, is doing The Old Man, which is extremely physical in terms of fight scenes. He might as well have done it back in 2007-8, where his body would have been a lot younger. But whatever, I love The Old Man. It's on Hulu FX. So good. And it's also like the, uh, the plot of Taken 3 is pretty much the show of The Old Man. Kind of funny how that works out. Not really, but whatever. The only action movies that I had really seen up to this point, up to Taken, were like super far-fetched and corny. Only until Jason Bourne and Batman begins did action scenes really start to become more grounded and realistic and gritty. Taken was soon after those two movies and strived for the same exact kind of grit and realism in those action scenes providing a very uh, grounded and intimate look at hand-to-hand -hand combat in forms of styles outside of uh, karate or kung fu. They mostly use Krav Maga in this movie, with a, a blend of a few other defense uh, or attacking fighting styles involved. We open up our movie on a home video. It's a recording of the Brian Mills family, and his daughter Kim, played by Maggie Grace, it's her birthday, and she's five years old. Blowing out a candle, Brian wakes up. He was dreaming about that, that video. It's the family that once was, and now you see him completely isolated, alone in his apartment. His daughter's now turning 17. It's her birthday, again. He goes to the party, and he isn't even recognized by the staff. Lenore has to come vouch for Brian and say, like, he's, he's the dad, he's the actual father. His gift to his own daughter is completely overshadowed by the horse that the stepdad gets the daughter. So we already start to understand the relationship between stepdad, ex-wife, father, and daughter. Brian feels about this big throughout that whole scene at the birthday party. He's on the outskirts of his own family, going through family photos later on, alone at home, just reminiscing about the family he used to have. It's become his whole reason for, for living is to stay close to his daughter. It's, it's really become his whole existence. And he even forgets about four friends, four co-workers, who uh, come over. They had a night planned, and, and they open the door, and he's like, Oh, that's right. And they all work as security guards, and they regularly um, escort and protect singers who are coming through their town. 
at big venues. We see him at the concert. He puts some. He puts a stop to some big commotion. We see just how skilled Brian is in his tactical fighting knowledge and how easily he can neutralize a threat. Out of this ordeal, Brian Brian protects the singer who earlier kind of dissed him by going, you know, your daughter should just go find another uh, industry. She shouldn't be a singer. She does a 180 when Brian protects her from the from the man with the knife. And out of this, the singer wants to provide singing lessons to Kim. Now, this is a gift that Brian is thrilled to give his daughter. It's way better than the stepdad's horse. So he sees an opportunity. He goes to lunch with his daughter, thinking that it's just going to be the two of them, but he's duped. He's even pressured into authorizing a trip for his daughter to take because she's not 18 yet. So her and a friend are going to take this trip and Lenore is there, pressuring the whole situation. This trip is going to be overseas, too. With his years in the service, I can only imagine the fears that overwhelm him based on what he has seen overseas, fearing that his daughter could end up being the same exact thing. He's especially pissed when he finds out that his daughter is not only just taking a trip, She's touring Europe with a band. He has zero control over his daughter's safety once she leaves and goes overseas. That terrifies him. He's too gullible and he's too trusting of his daughter and his ex-wife. They withhold certain information from him because they know that that would certify a no in his mind. When he finds out that, that they've lied, he, that he confronts them. But then they confront him about this air of dishonesty that he creates between the three of them. Their tiptoeing around him is sneaky, but somewhat valid. He wonders if he needs to let go of that leash a little bit on his daughter, because he's maybe getting the sense that he's turning into a helicopter parent, and he doesn't want to be that. Right away, everything that Brian Mills feared happens. His daughter and his daughter's friends' lives have been put, have been put in immediate danger when they step out of the cab from the airport. They're approached by some handsome dude that wants to take their picture and share a cab with them. Their first stop is the apartment that the two girls are staying, and so he obviously knows where they're staying now. He immediately, once they leave, he pretends like he's getting back in the cab, but he doesn't. He just phones somebody, and we're like, uh, who is he calling? We just went from, I don't know, to like, blaring red flag. Brian can't get a hold of Kim, and they agreed that she would call him, like, once they land and once every hour or something, something absurd like that. Finally, she picks up, and that phone call is one of the scariest phone calls in cinema history, but also in these two people's fictional lives. Two people break in, and they attack the friend while Kim is on the opposite side of the apartment, but she can see what's happening, and Brian's on the phone with her. Brian now has 30 seconds to direct his daughter in how to be kidnapped. This is what's going to happen. Look at their wrists, their arms, look for tattoos. What are they wearing? Scream them out to me because they're going to take you. Hair color, height, weight, everything. It happens exactly like he said it would. And Brian has to just sit there on the other end of that phone call and listen to his daughter being taken. Title. But he can't let emotion control him. He has to be on point here. He ends the call with his famous few lines, his little monologue, laying it out for the guy because he can hear breathing now on the other end since it's gone silent. Basically saying, I have a particular skill set that I'm going to use if you follow through with this. I'm giving you a chance. I will be finding you and I will kill you. The other guy says, good luck. 
every asset, every resource and bit of training in Brian Mills' past is going to use right now. The bad guys have a head start, which is the worst part to think about. Everything that they're getting away with is for free right now. They have this 24, 48-hour head start in front of Brian. We quickly find out that the organization employing the men who kidnapped her specialize in trafficking young women traveling overseas with a 24 to 48 hour window before these women are never found again. Brian is now on a, on a plane to Paris. He's going to follow his daughter's breadcrumbs. He listens to the good luck, good luck, good luck, over and over. It's fueling his determination as he makes his way to France. He breaks into the same apartment that his daughter was staying with the, with the friend and does some of his own digging his own investigative work. He listens to the audio clip of her being kidnapped, the full thing, and he pictures it happening. He even acts it out to a degree. Brian finds a smashed up phone inside the room, but he takes out the SD card and it's intact. So he finds a picture on the SD card and in the reflection, he can see the, the handsome man at the beginning who took the picture for the girls on the, on the sidewalk. Now he has his first target. This leads to a car chase and a foot chase that ends with that guy who took the picture being hit by a, a garbage truck. Therefore not having any information to offer Brian. So he goes to his first contact, who was an old friend, Jean-Claude, who tells him that the Albanians came six or seven years ago. There were 15 or 20 of them, but now there's hundreds of them and they're incredibly dangerous. Like a mob organization, but their main product instead of drugs is women. So Brian finds a corner downtown and lingers with the prostitutes and he even starts kind of a ruckus because he knows the pimps are around watching and they confront him. So he plants a, a sound sneaky device to hear them talky talk because he's hired a translator and they're going to listen to what the, the pimps are saying in their car about him and he's going to translate it into from Albanian into English. This gives him some information. Not only do they have to translate it, they have to decipher it because it's all coded. Now... Brian finds himself at a brothel, run by the Albanians, but he he is there specifically for his daughter, who could be in any any one of these sex cubicles. But the only thing that he does find of his daughter's is his is her jacket. Brian has to take out a couple people. The whole camp gets alerted, which leads to a massive shootout car chase scene that ends with cars driving through buildings, running into tractors, rolling down hills. Driving through balls of fire, it's a crazy scene. He escapes with the young woman who had his daughter's jacket on. She's barely alive and, and does end up dying, but after giving Brian some valuable information about a red door. He's right on the heels of these guys. He knows it. Jean-Claude calls him back and tells him that he's working with the police and is going to have Brian report uh, deported because of the mess that Brian has caused and is about to cause in Paris. It just can't happen. It doesn't work though. Brian sees it coming and he's, he's prepared. So then he finds the house with the red door, which is a hub for these Albanian traffickers. He cons his way inside and doesn't choose violence yet. He's searching for one voice in particular. Can you guess which one? The voice on the recording. He's addressing everyone in the room to hear them speak. And there's one dude who hasn't spoken yet. And now he's, he's the next target. Brian has a piece of paper that says a, a sentence on it. And he goes, uh, can you translate this for me? Hands it to the guy. And the guy says, uh, good luck. That's what it translates to. Smart. Smart. 
This leads to um, like 20 people dying in the span of three minutes. The bad guys are literally trying to get out of the building because Brian Mills is there. <laughs> he's, he's chasing all them down, killing them. After they're all dead, he finds like 15 girls, including Amanda, who was traveling with, with his daughter, Kim. She's dead. Uh, not the Kim, but the Amanda. Brian re uh, resorts to torturing the good luck guy. Not only for the information on where his daughter was just sold, but also to kill the guy. He wants this to be the slowest and most agonizing death that he can inflict on this person. Unfortunately, after this conversation that he has with the guy being tortured, he suspects John Claude as, as being in bed with the Albanians and the police. So he goes to John Claude's house and he just like kind of forces dinner on them. He's like, why don't we eat? He ends up just shooting Jean-Claude's wife in the arm during dinner just so he can get the name of the next guy that he needs to go chase and he gets it This takes Brian to a massive party that he infiltrates takes out each guard one by one Until he finds the bidding room where a bunch of rich men sit in individual anonymous rooms And they bid on women that are brought in to be bought one of the women in the bid is his daughter Kim Brian takes out a gun and coerces the guy bidding bid on my daughter so that he can have control over the situation. The bid goes up to $500,000 and it's sold. They got the highest bid. But he's ambushed right away, put into a situation that he now has to escape from. He takes out another, another five guys with his hands tied together, turning the tables around real quickly on the man that just captured him, killing him in the elevator. But at least he knows his daughter has just been put on a boat. He rushes to the bridge so that he can jump onto the boat and single-handedly kill another 10 men at least. The last guy alive on the boat is now holding his daughter at gunpoint. But Brian has him in his sights and I love this scene because the guy just starts to talk and he just moves his head like this and Brian just... It's funny. All of the women on the boat are now safe, including his, his daughter, Kim. They travel back to the States and are reunited with, uh, with Lorne, nope, Lenore, and the stepdad. Brian's even being treated much differently now by Lenore. His, his daughter, Kim, even has the same newfound appreciation for her father's wisdom. So Brian even connects uh, Kim with the singer from the beginning of the movie, gives her uh, singing classes. He's really happy to be able to provide this gift for his daughter and be rewarded himself for the, his protective efforts over these two women, the singer and the daughter. This movie has way more heart than any other action movie before it, even a lot more than its own sequels had. Liam Neeson was already middle-aged when he took on this role, and he even performed most of his own stunts. He's always portrayed as wholehearted and pure in his intent, and nobody's going to stop him from rescuing his daughter. This movie did get a lot of crap when it came out because of the focus on the daughter being rescued, as opposed to, like, Brian helping all the women involved. And I can understand that. I do wish that they would have given a focus, even just a, a news report that Brian's watching when he's back home about all of these brothels being raided and all of these women coming out and being rescued and stuff. And that would have been nice. But I guess... The fact that Brian has killed, like, most of the guys in the organization, I guess, implies that these women have been rescued. 
But that is pretty much my review. I love this movie. I love that it, it exposes a reality that women really have to fear nowadays, which is sex trafficking. In my state of Oregon, the, the cities of Albany down to Eugene are like hubs for sex trafficking. It happens constantly. There are parks here in my city that you can go to and they traffic women out of these parks. It's real. It's happening constantly. And it's growing, it seems, because nobody wants to talk about it. There's another movie that I really want to get to. Um, I, I don't like to repeat genres in my reviews uh, right away, so I'll wait a little bit. It's called You Were Never Really Here with Joaquin Phoenix. came out in 2016, eight years after this movie, and is, is taken on steroids. Honestly, it's the movie taken, but with a very earned rated R rating. And I love it because it's not... Albanians or some Paris doing the sex trafficking, it's actually politicians, which has, I mean, that's a, that's why I would love to review it because it touches on something that is extremely real in, in these United States, man. Jeffrey Epstein did not kill himself. That's my review, though. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for watching. Love you guys. Peace.